Hi, everyone, and welcome to Eater's Digest, which is about all things food and dining. I'm Amanda Clute, editor-in-chief of Eater. I am Daniel Janine, uh, producer at Eater. Dan, what do we have going on the show this week? Yeah, Amanda, this week we're bringing on Matt Danzer and uh, Ann Redding, the restaurant team behind Uncle Boone's um, Uncle Boone's sister and Thai Diner, uh, three of New York's favorite, you know, Thai restaurants. I think an aspect of their story that's particularly interesting is they have these three properties that have kind of each been affected by the pandemic in in different ways. Uncle Boone's is, you know, probably their most famous restaurant. It closed at the start of the pandemic because of an, an inflexible landlord. And Uncle Boone's was like one of the most well-known people's favorite restaurants in New York City. So it's really sad. I'm going to talk to them about that. But they also have two other spaces. They have a restaurant called Uncle Boone's Sister, which is kind of more, ta- which which is like a smaller version, but tailored mostly towards delivery and takeout, especially they were funneling a lot of their business through there. And that was, that was interesting. And then right before the pandemic, actually, they opened a new restaurant called Thai Diner. And uh, this restaurant is unique because they have a huge amount of outdoor space. So, so for periods of the pandemic, they were actually very busy. And they were experimenting with all kinds of, you know, QR codes, uh, cell phone based ordering systems and and a lot of like menu reshuffling to see what's going to sell the best, move the best for a delivery, you know, work the best outside, etc. So in terms of experiencing different aspects of what's going on right now, I think they were just a, a great set of people to talk to. Then we're going to give an update on the news, talk about the latest restrictions as we see COVID cases continue to rise. And we'll get into some other stories from this week. But first, here is Matt Danzer and Ann Redding of Thai Diner and Uncle Boone's Sister. Matt and Ann, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Can you tell us the story of the closure of Uncle Boone's? Like, what, what was the deal? Was it just a landlord dispute or was the a lack of outdoor dining space or everything that went into that? Yeah. I mean, it's a combination of both, you know, I mean, I think anytime you make a difficult decision like, like that, it's, there's a lot of factors involved, right? I mean, we only had a few years left on the lease really, you know, what we wanted was another 10 year lease. Um, He wasn't really willing to entertain that conversation until after COVID, you know, we were talking to a lot of people constantly about okay how long do we anticipate you know that we're dealing with this virus how long should we be planning for uh you know what what do we need to do and nobody really obviously nobody still knows but at that point they were saying you needed a plan at least like the next year year and a half so that being said it's like okay do we hold on to boons and you know pay full rent plus penalties which is what he wanted uh and have how many months of, of, you know, viable business, you know, at the end of that lease. So it just like financially just, we couldn't wrap our heads around it, you know, um, super tough choice to make. Cause that was kind of like our, our foundation, you know? Uh, yeah. And with the winter coming and seeing a new wave of COVID and also restaurant closures, are you feeling more sure in that decision? Yeah, I mean, we. Yeah, I think we. I I fought for that one for months. Like, really, I went back and forth with the the landlord for months. Um, but I had a sinking feeling the whole time, just given the history of uh, working with him in the past, um, that it it 
he wasn't really going to do anything. So I kind of knew it was coming. Um, but yeah. <laughs> he told me that, you know, this is a learning mm-hmm. him, Matt, this is a learning lesson. You really need to learn how to save for a rainy day. <laughs> oh my God. Is how oh, that really? conversation started. Right. You know? so, oh, cla- class yeah, was in session. Right? I was like, wow. this is, yeah, I already knew. I mean, I was in tears when we like had to, you know, let go one of our sues. And Anne was like, why? I'm like, because I know like that's the end of Boons. That was it. We were done. You know, and it was just like I wanted to like yeah. at least like have a blowout for the team, like a party and just be like, hey, guys, thanks so much for everything. You know, you got us here. Yeah. But it's it just. Yeah. Not gonna do yeah that you know, so. Uh, but, you know, you live and you learn. It, it was the right choice. I mean, we just had. Well, not a choice. Yeah. Either, I mean, really. it was, you know, it's these decisions I feel like are being made for us. You know, we we're just mm-hmm. accepting it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you have to accept the things that you can't change, you know, and try and make the best of what you have. I mean, that's really pretty much all we, all we could do with it. You know, could you actually talk about what has happened at sister? Because I think that, I don't know if it was intentional, but it seemed like that restaurant was, uh, inadvertently almost used as a testing facility for like what could happen in this time. Like, have you guys been looking ahead, assuming that things are going to um, move more and more towards delivery? Is this something that you guys, like a conversation that you guys had had, you know, four or five years ago? I mean, we've always, I've, I have a few, or we have a few friends that have always done really well with delivery. Um, so I know that that business is out there. I've never been really that in love with, with the delivery thing. Just, I think we love being in restaurants and the dynamic of like winning people over and just like giving a unique experience. So I think that's harder to do with the delivery, you yeah, know, uh, it's out of your control. And, um, yeah, but yeah, I, I know that it's a, it's a, the big part, which is, you know, why we did end up pivoting to sister in terms of delivery and take out. Um, and we weren't able to do much at Boone. So it was kind of like helped, you know, kind of capture some of our boons um people to get takeout there but i think ultimately the I, the delivery business is a tough game and you know we're, we're we're going through it now and thank god that it's there because it helped us survive a whole bunch but it's sometimes i think at the end of the day you, you wonder like am i really making any money here we just feel like we're doing something because we're we're moving you know like with the fees and the you know can you talk about that a little more? Like you said, it helped you survive. What what does that look like? Like, is is it a big part of the business? Well, when the the first shutdown happened, it it there was no dining at all, so it was the only thing we could do. So, in a sense, it felt like you know we were still alive just because we were doing something. Otherwise, there would have been nothing. Um, well, it kept us afloat. Yeah, it, it did. The, it was we were able mm-hmm. to keep our core. You know, our it was eight of us. Yeah. Uh, we were all working, you know, crazy hours, a lot of us seven days. And yeah, it kept us alive. It kept us, you know, it kept some, some money in our pockets. Um, or at least we were able to pay our bills, you know? Yeah. Um, we were really fortunate in that location. The landlord is super generous and really worked with us. So that was a big part of keeping that space as well. Um, but yeah, the delivery thing kept us, kept us alive, you know, throughout this process. I say I noticed um, it at Diner you are serving some of the greatest hits from your other places and I'm wondering how much of a, re- a redo did you do on the menu when you opened for outdoor dining there 
Um, I mean, it's been a constant thing. We're kind of, re- well, we are, we're redirecting the menu back to the diner composition, you know, where a lot of dishes come with rice. It's a lower, it's a little bit lower uh, price point. Um, more not, like one plate meals. Yeah. yeah, it's not as much like appetizer entree dessert kind of thing. It's more one plate mm-hmm. meal. And we're starting to reintroduce a lot of our uh, uh, pastry items and desserts and stuff like that. Uh, when we, so when COVID hit, <clears throat> we basically took, it was a mashup of all three restaurants' greatest hits into consideration. Uh, okay. What travels well, our big, our biggest sellers, all of that kind of stuff. So, you know, when COVID hit, we were we were operating everything out of sister, out of Uncle Ben's sister. Um, as things started to open up a little bit more, and we were able to do uh, more, and we saw there was more demand. Then we moved everything back over towards um, diner. So then we started working everything out of diner and then we started kind of expanding from there. Um, where are we? Are we at Uncle Boone's sister? Are we at, are we at, diner yeah. at Uncle Boone's? We're like, wherever you want it to be, we're here, you know? Like, Come on. You know? Yeah. So it was a little, you know, a little frustrating from that standpoint because we kind of just had to do what we had to do to survive. So, you know, depending on what device you're looking at or what, you know, uh, <laughs> platform you're looking at, you're like, where am I? You know, but. Now here and now we're we're really redirecting everything back towards what diner is and what we want it to be. I feel like on the on the bright side of that, right. if you are a fan of Uncle Boone's and it closed and you want to have some of those dishes, it is nice that you can have like I remember after going there, I went and told everyone at work, like, oh, you missed this dish. You can still get it. Um, but I can see the downside is then you're kind of diluting your your Thai diner concept. Yeah, I think there's a way to work it in though, because I mean there there are some some dishes from Boone's and also from sister that, you know, I'm really proud of and, you know, I, I want to live on. So I think it's more just taking it, you know, whether it's a curry sauce or, you know, whatever it is and kind of like reformatting it in the diner format, just make it a concept more. Mm-hmm. But I, I think a lot of the Boone's dishes will live on at diner and, you know, same with sister. I feel like you have the opportunity, like you see all these places opening quote unquote, like ghost kitchens or like, the, uh, you have the ability to keep Uncle Boone's alive as a delivery only restaurant. Is that something you considered like to be able to go on to Uber Eats or go on to Caviar and actually just order from Uncle Boone's? Yeah, I mean, we've gone back and forth about it. You know, like, do we do like a special uh, package or something like that? That's like a little bit more unique to to the Boone's experience. Um, we've gone back and forth with it. You know, I think we're still kind of trying to decide what to do with, with the brand, you know, as far as like uncle wounds, um, we had such a great run and we like really fortunate that we were able to do so well in that space, you know, that I'm really like apprehensive in what to do with it from now, you know, from here on out. Right. You want to be protective of it. Yeah. I mean, we did really well with sister as far as delivery, Diners doing doing well as far as delivery and and you know in house we're able to you know really capture a lot of the neighborhood people so it's like I don't know we're still kind of up in the air where to go with it from you know for us we we were fortunate with diner the physical space really lends itself to the current environment you know we have we're on the corner we have two streets that we can capture seating on outside. Uh, so the summer was really good for us. You know, we were able to do a good amount of um, 
you know, seats outside mm-hmm. and that, and that really kept us going. And, and I think was really good for morale for the team to, to really connect with a lot of the neighborhood people that had been, you know, that stayed in New York and that had been here and be like, Oh, I'm so glad you guys are still here. I know you're not on spring street anymore, but at least you're here and you guys are, you know, still, still around, you know? So I think that was, you know, from anything from, at least it was good for morale. At least it was good for everyone to kind of connect again, you know, to have that human element. What's your outlook for your current restaurant and outdoor dining? We're in the process of redoing our outdoor dining yet again. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we kind of did it really quick when they said you can do this for like sweet. So we did something really fast and relatively inexpensive. Uh, A lot of it I did myself with a friend. Um, And now that, they said we can do this, you know, year round. We're now putting it up, you know, redoing it again with more heaters and trying to uh, put up barriers and make it as safe as possible. Uh, windows and you know, like, I don't know. It's going to be really cool once it's done. We have a good plan for it, and I think it's going to be really nice and inviting. You know, um, we put some heaters up on the Kenmare Street side, so a lot of people are excited about that and seeing a lot of guests, even like last night sitting out there, which I was really surprised. Um, Cause we can only bring in like 20 people into, you know, for indoor dining right now. So it's a little bit limited. Um, but I think as long as we can keep the outdoor going and we can make it at least comfortable enough to come and grab a bite, I think, you know, it'll be good. It'll be huge. You guys are one of the first places in, in New York, at least uh, Amanda noticed, who were doing like your ordering system was entirely um, built around the phone, right? Like there was no server coming to the table, taking the order. How, how has that been as a a learning curve? (laughs) (laughs) We're trying to embrace technology. We're old, you know, we're old. And, you know, I always tell like all my, all my, you know, my team, especially in the kitchen, the young kids, I'm like, I didn't have a cell phone until I was like out of, you know, a senior in high school, like they didn't exist. Like nobody had them, you know, we didn't have computers. Like we didn't have all this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, We have beef. So so we're trying to embrace technology. You know, I think the QR codes are great when they work. It's amazing. Right. Uh, But it's just a different experience. You know, it's not the same interaction that you can have with a guest when they sit down and your server comes over and gives you a great smile and, you know, makes you feel like, you know, you're appreciated for being there. And, you know, like it just, you don't have that same interaction Uh, from a safety standpoint, from a logistics standpoint, it's, it's, it works Mm -hmm. well, you know, when everything is working and uh, devices are all working and connectivity is good, it it works well, you know, Um, there's some challenges with the ticketing system, especially with like the larger parties. If everyone orders individually on their own device, you can have, you know, six or seven different, it's for one mm. table in the kitchen. Uh, so that's a lot to keep track of sometimes, especially when like you have them peppered in between delivery tickets and stuff like that. So it's, you know, uh, it's created a yeah. lot of challenges on that side from mm-hmm. a logistics standpoint, trying to like basically shield the guest from all of that noise, you know? How have you been able to do that? Um, well, we've been trying to separate it out, but it's 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 tough, I think, with the QR code to to give the same experience because sometimes a ticket does get separated and the sous chef who's calling it doesn't necessarily know that it's going to the same table, 
you know, because it's a different code or ticket. Um, so someone's, you're not having a cohesive meal. So that's, I mean, that's definitely, I think, a big pro of doing something like the QR code. Um, I mean, sorry, a big con. Uh, pros are, you know, mm -hmm. initially at least was the safety of like less contact. Um, but I think guests are split 50-50 too. Some people do want to they don't want to download something new on their phone. They don't want to enter their credit card numbers. Um, but some people seem to prefer it, you know, so it's, we're kind of, we're, we're on the fence of like what to do with it, whether to continue with it or, or not, you know, I, I yearn to go back to the old school way of giving service that we can control a little bit better, but mm -hmm. I don't know. It's up in there. Yeah. Right? It's, there's pros and right. cons. I mean, it's nice that there's minimal contact, mm -hmm. right? Um, but then like not as many people get dessert because you don't have a server coming over and be like, Hey, we got this new great dessert and I would check right. it out and people are like, Oh, cool. You know, uh, it's, easier. it's like, you know, you get upsells, upsells over text. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> that's an idea. That's all you want. Right. Yeah. It's more like more messaging. Right. <laughs> hey, we just got in this new mezcal. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think I definitely drank less when I went than I would have because I had to stop. Yeah like my conversation and like go back to the phone and enter in the credit card again. And so there's definitely that friction that you're adding by having to do it through your phone. Yeah. It's definitely a lower checkout, Rich, for sure. Has, has everything, has all of this changed if you were to look at new restaurants or new opportunities? Are there, is what you're looking for in a space or an opportunity different going forward now? I think so. I mean, I think, I think it's more from a, not as much from like a service standpoint, but more of like a, a deal structure. You know, I think there's more, a lot more opportunities for people that want to open restaurants in New York to be either a partner with their landlord or, you know, like deals that you would normally see for like hotels and, and like bigger restaurants or bigger restaurant groups, I feel like are being floated out there for smaller operators now. Um, which are nice to see where you're a little bit more insulated where people are either profit sharing or, you know, that type of situation where everybody's kind of their, their interests are aligned where, where everyone's in the same boat kind of thing. Um, more so than the traditional like landlord tenant situation. Um, right. I know our landlords here at diner and, and at sister have been generous and, and continuing to work with us and they hardly want us to be yeah. here. You know, they're like, we really like having you guys there. We want you guys to continue being there. So they're willing to work with us and, you know, try and give us the best, you know, leg up to, to, to keep us. And are you contemplating new deals or are you too traumatized by this year of just trying to get through? Um, both. Both. <laughs> both. <laughs> you know, when we closed Boons, a lot of people reached out, just, you know, condolences and stuff like that. But other people reached out wanting to, you know, say, oh, we want to bring back Boons. We have a space yeah. or you know, we would like to partner up with you and, you know, bring it back in another location. Um, I don't know that we're quite ready to do that yet. You know, I think we, ha we still have a lot of work to do here at Diner. Um, hmm. Everything going on, it's kind of like so, still so uncertain. I feel like let the dust settle and we'll see where it's at. But yeah, we, we've entertained a few different deal structures and stuff like that stuff that I think we probably wouldn't have had Corona not hit, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the one thing it's, it's, we're a little bit more open-minded now than we were before as far as like 
what to do or, you know, what the future could look like. Like you'll take the call where Holiday Holiday Inn offers you a bajillion dollars? Yes. I mean. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. It is so it is so interesting, though. I mean, it seems so obvious, but like I just imagine from any business perspective where I valued the quality and uh, the like the luster of my real estate, I would obviously want you guys to be there. It, it seems almost so obvious, but like, why would you waste your time with someone who didn't care about you and like didn't mind if you turned into a FedEx if you were willing to pay X more a month? New York City you know, is great because we have so many different types of people, right? I think, you know, we didn't sign the best deal at Boone's as far as like, you know, um, lease deal. And I think that we didn't have, we didn't realize the value of having somebody that you could have an open dialogue with. Like we didn't realize how valuable that was, right? At the time, be like, you kind of like, oh, okay, you signed the deal, you signed the lease, you pay your bills. You don't really have to deal with the person as long as everything is going smooth and you, you know, you're, you're mm-hmm. keeping up with your, your end of the bargain. And we felt confident that we could keep up with our end. And we kind of, we did until, until COVID, you know? So, um, I think that's, yeah. I mean, I think that, that we see the value in, in having somebody that we actually like doing business with now. And I think that that's <laughs> the one thing that we've really changed, you know, one thing that's yeah. mm-hmm. really opened our eyes and that, uh, change our perspective now you know it's like no you actually have to mm-hmm. want to like this person and want to be able to like you know deal with them for the next 10 15 years so yeah as small business owners what would you ask the government for in this moment more ppp extended unemployment are there other programs you would like to see i think both would be helpful i think uh i think what they did at the beginning of covid with the the ppp as well as even more importantly because the biggest stress right now is what happens to the team if there's no work, you know, mm-hmm. is that if they have to go on unemployment again, I think having that extra bit of money made it survivable for most of our team. And and what's scary this time around is there's nothing, you know. So I think that's kind of like the number one thing right now they need to think about, you know, every time they that we shut down businesses here, like, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the people who are out of work need help. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think it was Tom Colicchio that came up with the whole concept when before or when the first stimulus package was being finalized. You know, he was saying that to keep the whole ecosystem intact, pay restaurants. Yeah, pay restaurants, give restaurants money to keep all of our people in place keep all of the, you know, all of the things in place, keep your purveyors, you know, intact, keep your, your team intact, you know, and, and then if we need, if, if we're feeding, you know, food insecure people or whatever we have to do, you know, to, to keep the whole system going, I think that would make more sense, you know, like at least we're keeping everybody employed and, and, and we're feeding people in need. So it's like, it's a whole kind of situation. And I think that, you know, there's been some really great programs that have come up with that same intention. Um, but I think if the government was behind it, that would be huge, you know? You know, I think everyone would assume closing something like Boone's that it's just like, oh, yeah. they're just def- like looking for the new space. Like they're going to get it open as soon as they can, blah, blah. But like, wh- how, what do you guys think about having a thing that was like such a darling and like, 
you fit a concept into a weird space and made it so great. Like, how do you grapple with the idea of um, of like reopening something like that somewhere else? I'm, I'm not keen on it because, it, you know, it's I think it it was a time and a place and it's 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 really hard to just kind of I think a lot of times when people try to do that, it doesn't work. You can't just mm. stick it into a shiny new spot and it, you know, it's never going to compare, you know, like where, you know, people will just always prefer the the original. Um, so it's, again, it, like the idea of reopening Boons to me is kind of, you know, unless something really special came along, then I don't know. I don't think that. Yeah, I think it's one of those things if you see it and you'll be like, you know what? this feels right kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I think it was very much of a time and a place, you know, thing. It wasn't really, there really what weren't, there weren't as many uh, Thai restaurants, especially in our area, right? Um, now there's a lot, you know, um, there's a lot of people doing some really cool stuff. There wasn't as many before when we first yeah. opened, you know, especially where we are and kind of doing the same style that we're doing. Um, so it was more unique. And I think that's the one thing that we really have always focused on is trying to provide a unique experience. So you can only come to this place to get this experience, you know? So I think that's something that more, more importantly, like than opening Uncle Boone's, I think that's something that we're continuing to focus on, try and create places that you can only get this experience in this place. You know, I think that's what has helped set us apart. Yeah. Um, that being said, you know, never say never, right? <laughs> maybe it'll maybe it'll, it'll happen and we'll feel it and everything will will come together. But we're not like anxious to do it, or you know, we no. don't have no no firm plans of of bringing Boons back. You know, no, right I'm, now I'm just excited about Diner right now and focusing. It's kind of you know being forced to just focus in on one place is it's kind of nice in a way because I'm excited about what we're doing here and you know. Hopefully we get back to doing what we really want to do here come springtime. We'll see, you know, and uh, it's just more focused on getting through the winter. I think that's the point. There's a lot of people that are a lot worse off than we are. You know, yeah. it's like we had to close a restaurant. It sucked. It was really shitty, but it's a restaurant. You know, it is a restaurant. You know, we, at least we have this. We, we do have diner and we're able to make a living and we're all healthy and none of us are in the hospital. And, you know, it's. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It could be much worse, you know. It really could. You know, I think as yeah. a whole, we've had daily. I think we have bad luck <laughs> on a like a regular basis, on a small basis. We have really shitty luck. <laughs> but as a big picture, we've been really lucky. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know that sounds weird, but I do feel like that when you like step back and look at it, you're like, ah, eh, actually, we're pretty lucky. We're pretty fortunate. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, that's a good attitude to have, too. I do feel like, though, that 99% of successful New York marriages had their first date at Boone's. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So That might be a true statistic. I think. <laughs> yeah. We had a lot of anniversaries. And, yeah, I'll yeah. back that. Yeah. We had a Boone's baby. There was yeah. a Boone's baby, I remember, like, yeah. year three or four. Yeah. We're like, we, I think that was the night. Love it. Well, thank you guys so much. We really, uh, we really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. And good luck with this winter. We're rooting, we're rooting for you. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> Bye, guys. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Daniel, we are back. Oh, yeah. And I think, unfortunately, we need to start by talking about the new restrictions that are rolling out across this country. Amanda Clute restrictions time. Here's the Amanda Clute restrictions update. Uh, I'm not going to give a thorough list, but off the top of my head, this week, uh, indoor dining shut down in Michigan, Washington, Portland, Uh in Minnesota, they shut down indoor and outdoor. In Portland, they shut down indoor and outdoor. Philadelphia, they shut down indoor. Uh, a lot of places, we talked about the curfews there, doing the curfews. In LA, it's only 50% capacity at outdoor dining. So a lot a lot of restrictions rolling out there. New York City, mm-hmm. controversially, you can eat indoors 25% capacity, but they just shut down the school system this week. So it's led to a lot of, I think, unnecessary friction between the restaurant community and parents. Yeah. I mean, it sucks. That's one of the things I I hate about right now, which is this pinning of people against each other that have actually nothing to do with each other. Um, Exactly. That's why I keep having conversations with people and I'm like, it's a false choice. Yeah. And I don't know if that's exactly right, but because we all are in an ecosystem that, you know, like keeping restaurants open is not helping the positivity rate. But if you close down restaurants, this thing is still spreading. This thing Mm -hmm. is still spreading at churches and gyms and private parties. And yeah, I mean, it seems like in terms of the order of things that are crucial to society, schools should be prioritized over restaurants. Absolutely. Yeah, no, I, I don't think it's a conditional. I think it's an absolute like, it's not spreading in schools, especially elementary schools. The rates inside the schools is low. Caveat is they're not testing as much as they should be inside the schools. But it's in general safe and it does such a good for society to have them open and you see other nations where they're doing the opposite they're closing everything down paying the people to close down important and leaving the schools open it does seem like the new york mayor was hinting at restaurants indoor dining being closed in the next couple weeks yeah yeah they'll probably shut down new york indoor dining soon uh, I th- believe it is up to our governor. Yeah. And it, they have this yeah. weird um, dick swinging thing that they like to do. 
Uh, but yeah, the cases are going up. It's it's hard for these restaurateurs and stories across the country. We keep reading about how, you know, they've in San Francisco, all these places invested in the air filtration systems in Portland, all these places invested in their outdoor patios. And in the grand scheme of things, that $5,000 that they spent to build out the patio is not that big a deal considering people are dying, but it is very real. And it's these people's livelihoods and there's no government assistance right now. And it continues to get worse. Yeah, it's such a, it's such a shitty time to have spent, to have brought in designers to figure out ways of compartmentalizing your indoor space to appeal to whatever safety ideas people had that day. And then uh, yeah. it's just, yeah, ugh. But um, there is some there is some good in the world happening. There is. Well, I guess this isn't necessarily positive, and this is actually based on a feud. But there was a story that came out of Toronto that I wanted to talk to you about. Um, that is a, a I think as a lot of national interest. Um, there is a a guy named Craig Pike who owns this cookie shop called Craig's Cookies, and uh-huh. uh, I spent some time in Toronto. Those are good cookies. They are buttery, sweet, and salty. Uh, Craig Pike has, uh, for someone who has a couple cookie shops, he has, uh, had some friction with, uh, with people. He is very quick to get sassy and respond to, uh, you know, bad Yelp reviews and stuff. You think since he owns a cookie shop, he should be a little nicer? No, I mean, I love it. I don't care. I mean, I think it's Mm -hmm. super funny. I worry about him that he's getting stressed out and spazzing out at all these like people complaining about the cookie being too salty. But I mean, it makes for a fun cookie experience. I love the (laughs) fact that he owns that he looms large over this very Mm -hmm. seemingly sweet cookie uh, budding empire story. uh, Toronto bakery chastises affluent customers for complaining about tip policy. So what happened here? And this is this is, I think, fascinating is uh Early in the pandemic, he reopened the cookie shops and he was one of the first places that it was one of the first places where I experienced this kind of new phenomenon of having the person who works in the restaurant input everything on into their device. And then because they don't want you to touch anything, they then instead of spinning the iPad around so you can choose your own tip, uh, they say, like, would you like to leave a tip today or like, would you want to add anything for uh, okay. the bartender mm-hmm. or whatever. So they had been doing this all summer. I found it weird. And then you, you know, and then it started happening everywhere. It becomes less weird. Yeah, there were people that were complaining on Google reviews about how, you know, pay your employees. Don't make them ask for tips. Um, and uh, yeah, he, spaz- he he fired back on Instagram saying, uh, don't come, don't eat these cookies if you're blah, 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 blah. But um, <laughs> I... Uh, I just think it's it's an interesting story. What do you, what are your personal thoughts on this whole uh, on asking on the, the you know the barista or, or the whatever asking if you would like to leave a tip on your uh, on your order? I mean it's 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 hella awkward. That's for sure. <laughs> um, I mean in in general, it'd be great if we could abolish tipping and just pay everyone a fair wage, but we don't necessarily live in that system right now. Uh, tipping is still a big part of our culture, especially in America. I've definitely had that happen where I'm getting takeout and someone's like, Hey, do you want to leave a tip for the kitchen? And fine. Great. Yes. I would have done it anyway if he'd spun the thing around. So it doesn't make that much of a difference 
to my, you know, financial outlook. It just is, it puts you on the spot. I feel it's that way sometimes too, when you're, um, when they run your card at the table and you're filling it out right in front of the person and they're holding it, like it's that same kind of like anxiety, like, oh, I better not screw this up. I don't have time to like do the calculation. You just got to like go for it. Like whatever comes to the top of your head, just do it. Oh yeah. You don't, you don't want to be bringing out your cell phone calculator in that moment. No. You look like such a cheapskate. (laughs) So in a previous episode, we've talked about how when you are faced with these, uh, iPads at coffee shops, your move is to leave 50 cents. Yeah. (laughs) When I was, okay, here's what I will say. Pre pandemic, first of all, more generous tip or during pandemic. But if I'm getting a drip coffee, yeah, my tip would be 50, 50 cents, 50 cents on a drip coffee. More on a latte. What about now? Now it's like $10 for everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Do you give a dollar though? Like I feel, I feel like it's very, it's, it's almost more present in my mind that you can't, I don't know. I just say like "Ah, a couple bucks. I let them choose. (laughs) At the cookie place? At the cookie place, you're like a couple bucks? I usually say a couple bucks. Yeah, that's been my move recently. (laughs) (laughs) For one cookie, you're tipping $2? I wouldn't do, I would, uh, well, first of all, I have never bought one cookie. (laughs) (laughs) No, but for a coffee or for whatever these days, I'm like, yeah, you know, if if I get, if I get just a drip coffee, I would say throw a dollar on there. I've got these, these lines just that come out of me, throw a dollar on there because the, I don't want to say $1 because that sounds harsh. Throw a dollar on there couple well, bucks. Noticed, These are my expressions, but feel free to take them if you want them. I just have to add in here that this has only happened to me once in nine <laughs> months. Like, I don't think it's that widespread. Really? So I feel like I'm hitting it Most every day. places. Oh, yeah. I think it must be a cultural, you know, regional thing. Most places I go to, I there's an iPad. I made a joke the other day uh, that didn't go over well, where it was like a contactless payment or whatever where you pay you tap your iphone to pay and i like moved it because it was too far on the desk and i like look up at the guy and i'm like <laughs> touching the contactless payment oops sorry and then he's just like who like, is get, this leave. guy just get out of here <laughs> leave you want to add a tip or no and i'm like oh, <laughs> all right daniel uh i want to talk about yurts specifically and also dining pods after we talk about yurts so amex and resi Resi's the reservations platform, are introducing, quote, the Yurt Villages, covered heated outdoor experience available for Amex members only. They're giving custom designed tents, uh, which are basically private dining rooms (laughs) uh, to all these restaurants around the country. Mm -hmm. They've done a a couple of things like this. Like I know um, in... New York's Chinatown, they donated a bunch of outdoor seating uh, areas. So I yeah. think they're they're kind of on top of this outdoor seating situation. But this is a more luxury experience. This is for... Yeah, these are real trendy restaurants. Very trendy, high-end restaurants um, for the luxury diner. Yeah, I think... You know, first to mention, no aspect of this is even an attempt at charity, right? Like Amex isn't trying to like this is just marketing, right? They're not looking like they're supporting. Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess they are because they kind of are, you know. Yeah. Well, they're donating these tents to these supporting restaurants, donating tents to fancy restaurants. Um, Yeah. But you know, for their members only to use. (laughs) Yeah. Less charitable than the Chinatown donations, where it's just like, hey, we're just trying to help these Chinatown restaurants. This is like. 
crown shy and the charter it's oak still and canlis a net positive oh yeah yeah i don't see the downside what's interesting to me here is that some of the yurts are in places where you don't really need a yurt <laughs> new york city we need some yurts here it's already cold it's november it was you know gotten to the 30s this week it's depressing uh new orleans less concerned they yep. don't they probably don't they probably don't need yurts austin where you are do you think would you want to sit inside a yurt right now i wouldn't turn down a yurt <laughs> you know <laughs> all right fair fair like it was cold last night. I mean, it wasn't, I would obviously like, because I'm selfless, I would give the yurt to New York, but if, if there were only 30 yurts. Yeah. My friend was wearing a jacket at dinner. So, you know, it's not like we can't, it's not like we won't use the yurt. Um, th this kind of brings you like, you love this, the, you love the, the perception of the dining pods, right? Like you love the dining pod conversation that's going on right now. I feel now. like I'm always in Slack defending the dining pod. What does that mean? So what are the attacks? What are the attacks? Okay, so people everywhere, I see this on Twitter too, are just like, oh, you just rebuilt uh, indoor dining. Yeah. That's what you did with the, the, all these things that you built, your yurt villages, your domes. We talked about the domes in San Francisco. And quickly, we made this joke before anyone. We joked that they were building their <laughs> restaurants outside my years before I saw it on any cartoons or anything like that. All right. So, right. I mean, I think everyone was when San Francisco built the dining domes. But, all right. So, to fine. me, if you're in your pod with your household, if it's like a private dining room, Especially if the server doesn't have to get super, like, get inside there with you. If they can just, like, hand things in, you're protected from the weather. It's fine. The problem is when you build some giant tent that's, like, mostly enclosed and you're sharing the air with other people. And if, if, if it's a meal that you're going to be eating at your home anyway with these people, it literally makes yeah. no difference. I guess it, I guess the, the, the Yeah, if you're going with your roommate yeah. to a pod... You should be able to eat inside a greenhouse or an igloo or whatever the hell with your roommate. Or spouse. Yeah. Or spouse or, you know, I'm talking about you. Yeah. I'm Well, I'm saying, you know, could be my... Anyway. You're um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess, I mean, yeah. the, the, the counter argument is that it does... It, it's certainly like all of these kind of lively dining experiences encourage something that people are trying to discourage, right? They're encouraging intimacy. Like even in this photo... It, you know, encourages intimacy. I'm not against it. I think I want a yurt. I, I'm excited for yurt life. I'm, I might, you know what? I might set out to eat at all the yurts. Uh, I think that would be a I don't fun think it's little... an intimacy thing. I think the issue is mixing. I'm not saying a future of Boone's baby. Right. I think it's the issue of mixing groups. And so I think the real counter argument is how can you make sure it's households only? And obviously you can't, people can lie, but you can encourage that. You can make two person only pods, <laughs> which I think a lot of people are doing. Um, or I think you can trust people to, I guess you can't trust people to be safe. Can't trust anyone right now. All right, Amanda, I think we're wrapping up. I just wanted to bring a couple things to your attention very quick. Uh, one, uh, in, in, in the spirit or in line with the weighted blanket craze, uh, Pizza Hut mm. is doing a uh, hundred and what is it? I saw this. Yeah, a giant. Yeah, weighted blanket that looks like a pizza. I think you know what? 
listeners should note that we never really talk about this kind of thing. We don't talk about the dumb promo, but this thing being draped on the couch in this pizza is really fun. It is. You it know, is. it's like the kind of thing you buy. I don't know how do you feel about these things. Like you buy it, I don't know, I'm you never like you buy it once, it's funny, and then that goes in storage forever. If you have storage, if not, you, you don't know to- how I feel about these things. Do you think I've ever bought some like novelty item like that? Yeah, your house is just dripping in novelty stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, I will not be buying that, but I'm excited for you. I will, however, be buying branded restaurant blankets to bring with me to restaurants when I eat wait, outside. Wait, 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 wait. Explain. What do you mean? You're going to buy like, restaurant blankets? Branded. From- okay. From restaurants. So the Four Horsemen, for example, they have this white fleece blanket with their logo on it. $25. Going to buy it for myself. And then bring it to other restaurants? Bring it to other restaurants. Maybe they'll get the idea that they should also have branded blankets. Yeah, I mean, I bring. Yeah, I have a. I have a windsun tote. I bring it everywhere I go. I, look, I have a. I have enough windsun gear myself. I, I think actually, let me let me make a note about windsun. No one gets gear. jealous. I went to a, Listen, I went to a dive bar I with my windsun tote, okay, and my Zerbos <laughs> hat. Yeah. And I went to this dive bar to pick up some to-go drinks, and they're like, "Oh, do you work in the restaurant industry?" And I was like, "No, I'm just a fan." And they're like, "Cool." And they gave me some extra shit. That was the full conversation. Nothing else. No. And if I had a four horsemen blanket and I was drinking outside of this bar, they would give me a freebie too. Maybe. I'm just saying, I don't think people get jealous. I think they'll be like, cool, you support restaurants. That's cool. You're cool. I like you. Yeah. I think you embody this like ultra scene stir restaurant person, not you, but if you bring like the four horsemen blanket to another restaurant, which, but I think in how, I think you're actually right. Another thing to note. Thank you. Yeah. If you travel out of your city wearing or out of wherever you're from wearing swag from your school or like something that's specific that not not like the Yankees or whatever, but something that is at least a little bit specific and you run into people in other cities or whatever who know that reference, it, it is the fast track to like getting invited to cool things in random cities. Win Sun Hoodie was wearing one in Tokyo was mm. some guy stopped me. He's like, dude, I love Win Sun. Ended up getting invited to an alternative jazz show that I didn't actually end up going to, but it would have been really cool. But I'm just saying it's, Mm. it's a great hack. Like it's wearing, um, cool clothes from your favorite restaurants is even more beneficial outside of the city because outside of the city that they're from, because people are like, Oh, I love that place. And then your friends and then you get invited to stuff. Cool. Well, I can't travel right now, but I will be sending this four horseman blanket to me to you since it's getting chilly in Austin. You said, Oh my God. You don't need it. Okay. You don't need you a year. You I just would, need the four horseman blanket. I would a hundred percent drape myself See? in a four horseman blanket all, all right, over I'm gonna Austin. I'm going to send you one. Uh, win, win, win. Four horsemen gets extra money from us. Uh, you get invited to cool alternative shows maybe in and Texas. I will go. And we all get to hear about it on the podcast. <laughs> all right. So... Uh, we're wrapping up. Amanda, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you to Ann Redding and Matt Danzer of Thai Diner, Uncle Boone's sister. Make sure to check out their establishments if you are in New York City um, or buy merch if you're not. I don't know if they have merch. Yeah. And everyone, please have a delicious and safe Thanksgiving. <laughs>